All right. Hey, one quick announcement before we get in the word today. Um, I had someone ask this, and I figured if someone asked, that means like a few of you probably are wondering the same thing. Someone asked just about giving. They're like, well, how do I give? We're not passing buckets around right now. If you do want to give the Lord's stir in your heart, and you want to walk in obedience to what he's stirring, there's, a, there's like a metal bucket on the wall, the back wall back there, or there's one in the cafe. You can drop stuff in there. Or um, if you want to do it electronically, you can text to give, which just text the dollar amount. You want to give to eight. What is it? 84321. Yes, 84321. It'll prompt you and tell you what to do. Um, so I just addressed that, not to try to coerce you into giving, but because someone asked, and I figured, well, if one person has a question, many of you probably do. All right, cool. How you doing this morning? Good? Yeah, me too. Well, I mean, bless the Lord is right. I think that that's the good thing, right? Like, even if you had, like, a, just a not good week or just a downer of a week or difficulty or struggle, or if it's an awesome week, the good news is, like, God is still here and God is still good, right? So, like, there's just consistency in that of we gather together, and though our weeks may be up and down, our minds, our heart, our emotions may be, woo, up and down, he's steadfast, and he's unchanged, and he wants to minister to us this morning, as he already has been, which is awesome. So, praise God for that. Okay, so this morning... Um, you know, come January, you should be like, okay, what's our vision? What's God doing? It's January. It's a new year. And um, <laughs> praise God, it's a new year, right? Um, I, I think the Lord is stirring just to redirect our focus on what are the things that God's called us to. And, and some of it's just pretty general stuff. Um, the Lord's continuing to work out in us with elders, like, okay, God, are there specific things you want us to pay attention to? Are there specific things you want to do? In fact, actually, uh, so our elders, we meet every Wednesday morning um, at 6 a.m. for an hour and a half, and just, it's awesome, but sometimes you really just get into it in prayer and discussion, and time just flies by, and so this Friday night and Saturday, we're having an extended time together just to seek God's heart for Marin Park and, and all those things, so if you want, if you think about it, just pray for us. Is that cool? We do that? Just pray for us. It's always, we always appreciate that, so um, so today, I, I want to share with you some things that have been stirring in, in my heart for a while of just, I think, the things the Lord's reminding us of and coming back to. So some of this may be new for you. Some of it may just be a reminder for you. But the Lord's been bringing me back this week to John 15. And it feels like every couple of years, the Lord just always cycles me back to John 15 to share some things with you, different aspects of John 15. Um, so that's what I want to do this morning. Uh, just a text this morning, John 15, 1 through 13. And we're going to see what the Lord does with that. I just want to, the Lord wants to remind us of things he's spoken, continue to clarify where he's taking us in some general senses. All right. John 15 says this. This is Jesus speaking. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you, have, you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. 
You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask, for, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the fathers love me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Okay, let's stop there. All right, just to make sure we're on the same page and make sure you're paying attention, Jesus is giving... uh, He's giving a teaching based on an image of vine. So the question is, in this parable Jesus is speaking, this teaching, who is the vine? Not a trick question. It's like the Sunday school answer. Who's the vine? Jesus. Okay, good, right. And who are the branches? We are, believers, right? We're we're the branches. And it's a really powerful image for a number of reasons, but I think even the the first one is it's describing our intimacy, our our connectedness, our interconnectedness with Jesus when we come to faith in him. It's, uh, the the branch doesn't decide if it's going to be connected to the vine, it just grows out of the vine and it exists there. When we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we are connected to him as the, 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 the vine, and we are the branch that is an extension of him. It's not like one day we decide, okay, I'm going to be grafted into the vine. It, it just happens, and that's what happens in a spiritual sense when we come to faith in him. Jesus uh, grafts us into himself. We are, we are in him, and he is in us. It's this intimacy. It's this closeness. And this morning, I think, this morning, I think some of you need to start at that place. Like you see yourself, I feel so distant from him, I'm separated from him. If you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, you are a branch that is in him as the vine. You are connected to him, that's a matter of fact. Now, the issue is here, well, how do we live into that? How do we grow into that understanding? The the word in, in John 15 that's used frequently is the word abide. It's used a lot in 1 John as well. Abiding, meaning to remain, to stay, to, to, to rest, to, to be in the midst of, to abide. And Jesus is giving this invitation. He's going to tell us some things that should take place and some things that we should look for, some specific fruit that we should see. But I think we've got to be careful and not jump just to the fruit that we should see and hope to see. But we have to start with the fact that we first need to do the work of abiding in Christ, abiding in the vine. Because here's what happens. If you're like me, you see, okay, these are the things we need to do. These are the things we should be seeing. If you're like me, you read that and you go, okay, great. I'm going to go try harder to do these things. Am I right? Where it says I got to bear fruit. All right, got to go try harder to bear fruit. It says the, the thing is, is we should bear fruit. And I'll get to that in a minute. But the fruit comes as a result of us staying connected and abiding with Jesus. 
which means that we don't turn to anything outside of him for what we need. We turn to him, the one we're connected to, for our joy, for our peace, for our delight. We turn to him for our purpose, for our satisfaction. We turn to him for our righteousness. We turn to him for our sanctification, meaning our growing and maturity in Christ. We turn to him for all those things. We abide in him. We stay connected to him, not turning to the other things or even turning to ourselves. Because I think this is the deal, is he says, we, are, we have the responsibility of bearing much fruit. He says it over and over. Bearing much fruit. And it's, the fruit that we should bear is Christ-likeness. Like, right, he uses the image of, of grapes here. It, grape branches are going to produce grapes. Why? Because they're connected to the vine of a grape. That's not a tree. What's it called? Bush? No. A great vine, okay. Thanks, Captain Obvious. Right, all right. Maybe for us, it's like, it, think about it in terms of an apple tree. An apple branch is going to bear apples because it's connected to the trunk of an apple tree. It would be weird if all of a sudden, a branch that's connected to an apple tree starts bearing pears, am I right? It'd be, it'd be a miracle. But even that's the thing, if like, you will bear Christ-likeness, maturity in Christ, the fruit of Christ-likeness in you as we stay connected to the vine, to Christ himself. That, his spiritual life, his life will flow from within us because it, our life is dead and now we are connected with him and it's now his life that bears fruit and manifests within us. That's what he wants. But he says here, that doesn't happen by us willing it to happen. That doesn't happen by us trying harder. If you go to, back to verse 4, as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. In verse 5 says something similar. I'm the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. From apart from me you can do what? <laughs> Not something or little things or a little bit. Apart from me you can do nada. What a gift that is. Honestly, what a gift that is. Because the things that we're going to talk about here, that I think the fruit that Jesus wants to bear in us and grow in us is not going to happen by us trying harder, by simply receiving the things that he wants to give us and do in us and not resist him and fight against him. He wants to bear Christ's likeness within us. And the reason why is what we see in verse 8. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. He's saying, the reason why I desire that you bear much fruit is, yes, to show that you are my disciples, but it's so as people see that you are my disciples, it will glorify the Father. Everything that we get to do, everything that we're invited into, is not just so we can have a great life. It's not, not so that we can um, get to heaven. What God does and invites us into is to live a life now and into eternity that brings him much glory. That displays his character, displays his power, displays his grace. I mean, even that's what it says throughout Romans, right? It's like, even the reason why God chooses us and saves us and, and shows much compassion and mercy is that through his mercy that's poured out upon us, he can display to the, the world and all created things the extent of his mercy towards us. Everything he does, everything he invites us into is to display his glory, his awe, his splendor, and his wonder. God desires that we bear much fruit so that people will see us and go, look at this God. This image that um, 
it's this image that's often used, we, we refer to the church as the body of Christ, right? You've heard that, I assume? Body of Christ? Please nod and do this. Okay. Um, I think sometimes it's just a label that gets slapped on stuff. It's like, oh, it's the body of Christ. But no, think, think about this for a minute. Jesus came in the flesh, in a bodily form. Am I right? Please say yes. Okay, good. Yes. He came in, in, the, in the flesh, in a bodily sense. And he says he did nothing on his own accord. He only did what he saw the Father doing. He did not come for his, his own will or display his own will. He came to display the will of the Father. So everything he did was to show the character, the nature of the Father. So when he healed people, he showed the compassion and the power of the Father. When he loved people, he showed the love of the Father. When he showed mercy to people, he showed the mercy of the Father. So that when people saw him, they would go, oh my gosh, as I have seen you, I have now seen the Father. And in turn, their heart was filled with gratitude and thanksgiving and joy and worship to the Father. That's what he did. We now, as Jesus is ascended into heaven, where he's seated at the right hand of the Father, he says, we now, as the church, as believers in Christ, we are now part of his body, under his headship, meaning under his authority, under his guidance. We are growing up into maturity in him, but we now function as the body of Christ that's left on earth to serve the same purpose that Jesus did while he was here, which is to not give glory to ourselves, but through our actions, our behaviors, give glory to him. What an invitation. What a calling. I think that's why for me, I take very seriously the examination and the, the task of growing in maturity as the body of Christ. Because when we walk in immaturity together, when we walk in less than what God has for us, it's not just that we're missing out, and we are. It's that we are not fully displaying the character and awe and the wonder of God to each other and to the world, and he deserves more. And I think that's what God's calling Moran Park into. I think God's affirming, man, Moran, we've been doing so many things well for all these years, for the 12 years that we've been around. God's doing so many things well. We're growing into so many things. But I think what the Lord's saying to us in this season is, yes, it's been good, but I have even more for you because I deserve even more. He's saying, my, I, want, I, want to be glor- I want to be glorified, I want to bear much fruit as to prove to, to be my disciples. And I think a disciple is someone that not just hears the word, but obeys the word, right? Jesus says this in Matthew 28, he defines what a disciple is. He gives the great commission, he says, go therefore into all the world and make disciples uh, of all nations, right? Baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded. A disciple is someone who lives out what Jesus commands. A disciple is someone who lives out everything that Jesus calls us to be. And you're like, well, what are the things that Jesus asks us to do? That can be summarized, Jesus says earlier, in the great, commit, great commandment. To love God and to love others. The whole word hinges on those two things. So the fruit that we should be seeing in our lives individually and as the body of Christ are people that love God and love others and teach others to do the same. That's what we're, we're moving towards. I've had a number of people ask, like, okay, so, right, after COVID, we're coming back together, and, and all, you know, just stuff's going on, and dust is settling, like, is Moran's vision changing? I will tell you this. Moran's vision for years has been to simply do this, be a body of people, be a group of people, be a spiritual family of people that are growing in maturity and loving God and loving others and making disciples. That vision has not changed. 
We continue to seek God and ask God, how do we do that better? How do you want to grow us in those things? But that is the call that God has put on us and that we're continuing to grow in. And I have seen us, even in these past months, grow in these areas in a number of ways. Praise God for that grace, right? I've seen your tenacity. I've seen your grit, spiritual grit and endurance. I've seen your love for each other grow. I've seen your love for the Lord grow. But I think the Lord is simply saying, it's been great, but I have even more that I'm inviting you into. Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. Now, I want to I spend a moment here clarifying this, because if we're not careful, we can do what a lot of us uh, good, hard-working American Christians do, which is to try harder and work harder for our faith. And he's saying, abide in my love. As a father loved me, so I love you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love, that's verse 10. But if we, if, we, if we see that wrong or read that wrong, we start to think, if we keep the commands, then we get to abide in God's love, right? That's works. If we do God the right things, if we obey his commands, then God will receive us, then God will accept us, then God will love us. Anyone, anyone hear what I'm saying? That is wrong. He's saying, if you, abide, if you abide in this love, then you will obey his commands. Not to try to earn something, but to simply live out who you already are. Right? If we are righteous in Christ, if we're made new in Christ, if we're a new identity in Christ, if we're born again in Christ, that is who we are. Now simply, as we stay connected to him, that life of him will simply come out of us and flow from within us. Some of you this morning are trying so hard to do the right things, to earn God's love, to get back into right relationship with him. And I'm going to tell you this morning, stop. Jesus has already done everything necessary for you to be back in relationship with him. Even if you screwed up this week, it's simply turning back to him and receiving. Oh, I get to be in right relationship, not because of my own actions and behavior, praise God, but because of his. And I think we get so, uh, you know, like, we get screwy with this one. Because, and I think, I think it's in good intentions, we want to please God, but the pleasing God is because we, we receive his love and we know his love, therefore, of course, we want to please him because we are loved and we love him, not because our right behavior is going to earn that love from within him. And I know I've said this many times over the years, but if you're like me, you just simply forget that. I think the Lord's reminding us of that. I think that's one of the things I saw... Um, we, we've, we've not always done well at this. I've not always done well at leading in this at Moran Park. You know, uh, if we want to be a people that love God, love others, and make disciples, there's been different seasons here where we focused on different one of those. Not, not because the others are not important, but sometimes, right, the Lord just has you focus on specific things. He's saying, I want to focus on that. I want you to grow in that particular thing. Like w with my kids um, a couple months ago, they were really struggling with honor. They just weren't honoring one another. They weren't honoring us as parents. And so we just said, we need to focus on teaching what does it mean and what does it look like to actually honor one another? What is honor? Why should we honor one another? And focusing on that, and you started seeing them understand how, not just doing the behavior of honor, but growing in a heart for honor as well. Didn't mean that the other stuff wasn't important. It was just like, you guys, we need to grow in this. I think that's what we've done in Moran Park. And it was about five years ago or so that we just felt like, man, we need to really grow in making disciples. 
But the problem was that we started making disciples and we separated it from the heart of the Father. We started separating making disciples as we, we, we inadvertently made it about just like reproducing tools and reproducing people that did certain things rather than reproducing the heart of the Father in one another, right? Like it just became about we're going to pass on how to share the gospel with the three circles. We're going to pass on how to read the word with, through the soaps tool. We're going to pass on how to meet together as the body of Christ, right, through the three-thirds. We're going to pass on these things. And it began to produce simply um, passing on tools as discipleship rather than passing on people that love God and love one another. And then what the Lord did was saying, okay, your heart's right. You want to do right. But now you guys need to focus on loving God. And it was about, I don't know, maybe three years ago, the Lord was like, you got to focus on loving me because it all starts with a love for me and understanding my love and intimacy with me. And, and we, we press into knowing God and press into spending time with him and hearing his heart and, and resting in him and understanding what he's done for us and growing in that closeness and intimacy. And, man, I, I saw you guys grow in this deep love for each other, love for God. Like, you just wanted to worship him and praise him, and you wanted to surrender your life to him, and you wanted to follow him, and you wanted to obey what he was saying. Like, this, this love for God continued to, continued to grow and manifest. And, and honestly, I think oftentimes over the years, when people talk about Moran Park that I would meet from the community, people are like, oh, man, I've heard of Moran Park. I know a lot of people that are from Moran Park, and you guys love Jesus. And that's true. You guys love Jesus. Comes out in our worship. Comes out in our testimony. Comes out in our encouragement to one another. But as good as our love for God has been, I believe that the Lord is calling us into even a deeper love for him. And it's not by us trying harder, but by us looking at Jesus and the love that he had, which we see this defined in this next one. This is my commandment in verse 12. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this that you lay down your life, that someone lays down his life for his friends. And that is talking about our love for one another, which I'll get to in a minute. But I think the thing that the Lord keeps inviting us into is a deeper love for him, which is modeled by how Jesus loved the Father. That Jesus was willing to love the Father and obey the Father even when it went against his personal preference and desires. Jesus was willing to obey the Father, yes, in healing the sick and teaching and doing all these things. But Jesus was willing to obey the Father into the bitter end even when it led to his death. When Jesus says in the garden, right, I, 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 there's another way to let this cup pass from me. Let's go that route, but not my will be done, but yours be done. That's love. Back in September, I mentioned to you that we felt, like as elders, that the, we, we had a sense that maybe God was saying to us, like, hey, I, I've got new things. I want to continue to lead you into deeper things and, and, and greater maturity as the church. But one of the things we felt like the Lord was addressing was saying, yes, but are you willing to lay it all down for me? Are you willing to lay down your own preferences? Are you willing to lay down your own desire? Are you willing to lay down your own wants and your own ways of doing things to listen to me and what I want you to do? To lay it all on the altar and say what, when the Lord says to pick up what he wants us to pick up that we would pick up. Now, and unfortunately, that got interpreted. I didn't communicate that clearly at all, I don't think. And I think that got interpreted to say, oh, that just means we're going to blow up Moran Park and it's just going to be exclusively house churches. That's not true. We believe that there's a great benefit in gathering together as the broader body of Christ, but we do still believe what the Lord is saying is, are we willing to lay down our personal preferences, our traditions, 
our religion and ask God how he wants us to do particular things. The Lord's continuing to say, meet together. But sometimes I think he's saying, hey, you've got this framework and formula in your mind when you gather together that we, like, even me, like, I find great comfort in doing the same thing all the time. I know a lot of people are like, oh, you just like to get up there and go free willy with the spirit. Free willy, that's not the way it is, right? That's the, that's the whale, right? When it willy-nilly, free spirit. Yeah, you get it. Yeah. I think about that one. I like to listen to the Lord. I like to walk in and step with him. But I like to do it in ways that are comfortable for me. I like to do it in ways that I, I like to do. And I think the Lord's just simply saying, what if I want you to spend more time in prayer? And that's why, you know, two, three weeks ago, we spent a bunch more time in prayer than we normally do together because the Lord said, the church is supposed to be about teaching, amen. The church is supposed to be uh, about worship, amen. The church is supposed to be about loving one another, which I'll get to in a minute, amen. But the church is also about people that are devoted to prayer. So what about those days I want you to really be devoted to prayer, that we'd be willing to do it even if it goes against my own personal preferences and the way I want things to go? You hear what I'm saying? I think that's what the Lord's inviting us into. Not, not about taking away this or getting rid of this, but to add to what he's doing so that we grow in greater maturity together. That's what he's doing. That's what we're stepping into. Figuring out how do we faithfully be the church together? How do we grow in these things with each other? But I think one of the biggest things that the Lord is asking of us is we have, still have a heart for making disciples. We still have a heart for loving God, just pouring our heart out about, upon him. But I think one of the greatest things that the Lord is asking us to focus on in this season is what I brought up last week, is our growing in love for one another. I think we've had a love for one another to a degree, but I think the Lord is taking it up a notch. And I think the kind of love that God's asking us to do is not going to be possible by us trying harder or to will ourselves into this kind of love. This love, right, where he says in verse 12 again, this is my commandment, which is crazy. Out of all these commandments, he says earlier, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. He could have listed any commandment he wanted after that. And he says, this is my commandment. He gave them this one commandment specifically in response to this. He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Like, that's the kind of love that God is calling us into, is to lay down our love, our, our life, our preferences, our desires for the other. And I don't have to get into all that. Just if you weren't here last week, la listen to last week. I talked about some specific ways that takes place. But I believe that's the kind of love that God is calling us into with one another. To, to, to be in each other's lives, to press into deep and true fellowship, to know and be known, to stick with each other when it's hard and it's difficult, when you annoy me and bother me. I wasn't looking specifically over there for a reason. But like... Uh, when you, when you annoy me, when you bother me, and I do the same to you, that we work it out, we have the tough conversations, that we lay down our preferences, we lay down our rights, we lay down, it, I mean, it's even what Brock was, got up at the end last week and saying, like, even our desire to be right, we want to be right, I want to find be right, but so often we put our desire to be right ahead of our love for one another, and the Lord's asking, are we willing to lay those things down? And listen, I know it's going to be awkward, I know it's going to be hard, I know it's, but listen, that's the kind of love that God has loved us with. That he laid it all down for our sake. He not only gave up the glory and the splendor of heaven to come into the earth and suffer and mocked and be ridiculed and beaten, he came to give up his very life. That's love. So I think in this next season at Moran, God's continuing to say, keep on. 
the heart that he's given us to love God, the heart that he's given us to love others, the heart that he's given us to make disciples, God's saying, well done. I'm just inviting you into more. Not by trying harder, not by having these great strategies, this type of thing, but to simply stay connected to him and abide in him and to understand and know his heart for these things and, and recognize, God, I cannot manifest these things on my own. I cannot love these people well on my own. I cannot love this person on my own. But God, as I abide in you and cling to you, you love perfectly. God, will you manifest that love within me the way that you love the Father, the way that you love others, the way that you desire those that not know you to be, to know you, God, will you manifest that in us? I believe we have exciting days ahead of us, Moran Park. But I think the only way that's possible is that we continue to cling to him and abide in him and understand his extravagant love for us and, and let him manifest his life and his love within us. It's going to be awesome. I think the thing I've been really encouraged by you guys, I mean, you guys are super encouraging. I don't know if you realize that. I just super encouraging what I see in you and super encouraging the things that I, just conversations I have with you. Because one of the things that keep coming up over and over again is you don't want to settle for what you've already got. You've seen the Lord work. You've seen the Lord do amazing things. And you're still saying, I want more. Whatever God wants, that's what I want. You know how encouraging that is? You know how inspiring that is? And I pray that that's the work that God does in us as he leads us in the greater depth of love for him and others, that we would continue to say, God, whatever you want, we want it. Let's go. Let's pray, and we'll worship some more. God, I thank you for the revelation of that truth that uh, we are connected to you, we are in you, God, and we ask that you would manifest your life in us, individually and, and collectively, God. Not so that uh, we can boast in anything of ourselves, God, but so you, you can receive the glory, the praise, and the honor that you're due. God, would you give us a heart that desires your glory, that seeks your glory, God? We want what you want. In the areas where we don't want what you want, God, would you align our, our wills towards yours? That it wouldn't be uh, us trying to fit your will into ours, but we would surrender and submit our will to yours. God, I thank you for the way that you have grown us in a greater love for each other, a greater love for you, God. I thank you for the ways that you do that. And I say, don't, don't stop now, Lord. We want more. We want more. We want more. We want more. Until we see the fruition of your heart and your desire and your promise that the, the, the knowledge of your glory will fill the earth just like the water has flooded the, the earth, God, that your glory would flood the earth as well. And we know that one of the ways that happens is through us, your church. God, as we surrender and submit to you, we desire for greater maturity. I pray against those that feel like, ah, I must be doing something wrong because things are getting pruned right now. And I thank you, God, that you don't let any air of our life untouched. The stuff that isn't bearing fruit, you, pr you cut away. Those things that are bearing fruit, you prune so we will bear much more fruit. I thank you, God, that this has been a season of pruning. There's just no doubt. It's been a season of pruning. But I thank you, God, for the promise that the things that you are pruning, it's so that we will bear more fruit, so that you will receive more glory, more honor, and more praise. We ask, God, that you continue to give uh, your heart towards us. Can you continue to fill us with your, your will and your heart, God? I pray that you continue to give us your vision for Moran Park 
your, your path from Rampart, God, and would you give us the, the desire to surrender to you, but above all, God, may our, may our, may our eyes not be fixed on, uh, yeah, I think this is, you know what I mean by this, Lord, like, I, may our eyes not be fixed on the fruit, like, we want to see fruit, that's true, God, maybe, but may we, our eyes be fixed on the one who gives the fruit. And for those that are frustrated here this morning of a lack in their life, like, I don't see this in my life. I don't love people well. Yeah, God, I, I thank you for a heart that wants more, God. But would you fix our gaze, not just on our, on our, not on our lack, but would you fix our gaze on you, knowing that we become like the one we behold. We become like the one we worship. So God, would you fix our eyes on you, trusting, God, that the work that you've begun in us, you will see it to completion. The seed that you've implanted in us, you will see it grow in greater maturity. Give us the grace to abide in you, to remain in you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.